hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> And welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. My name is Matthew Zachary. I'm a 17-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And my name is Kenny Kane, EVP of Mission, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. It is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer? Under 40 sucks, huh? Time to get busy, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, focus on Tomorrow Lab for Humanity, an exciting new program of the Weizmann Institute of Science. Join Blair Cobb, Senior Director, Cause Marketing and Communications, Community Relations, AOL, Susan Schultz, Editorial Brand Director from Cosmopolitan Magazine, and Claudia Chan, Women's Lifestyle Journalist, Entrepreneur and Advisor for an epic roundtable discussion about their vision for a better world. Survivor Tammy Bamer in the spotlight. All right, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, a nonprofit organization that empowers young adults affected by cancer online at stupidcancer.org. And a Stupid Cancer welcome to any and all of our first time listeners here on the Stupid Cancer Show as we come to you live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in New York City. Hello. Hello, Matthew. Sorry for stumbling through the intro. Well, you're a, lot of, a lot of names and titles and a lot more words than I'm used to saying I, I, in a I, small I, interval of time. I don't think you're drunk enough. No, not quite. You're like Bender from Futurama. You have to be drunk to function. Is that what it was? Yes. He was the opposite of, of the average American. Well, I will keep drinking my quote-unquote water. Yes. Okay. Hi, Maureen. Hello. How are you? How are you doing? Good. Happy Monday. Oh, happy Monday to you, too. I saw something interesting that you did over the weekend. If what did I, I do? Very excited. I don't know what I did. You did a League of Their Own uh, thing. I was, okay, so we are here in New York City, and for all you baseball fans out there, we know that uh, the All-Star Game is at City Field, the Mets Field, this year. And so there's a lot of fun activities going on around the All-Star Game, including the MLB Fan Fest taking place at this huge convention center, Javits, that we have here. And the Home Run Derby. The Home Run Derby is today. Yes. 
Um, yeah, I knew a sports fact. You, your sports <laughs> fact of the day. I'm very proud of you. Look at him go. Um, and yeah, so I went over to FanFest on Saturday, and they had some. There were some women there from the All American Girls Professional Baseball League, um, and I got to meet them and take pictures with them, and they were really, really adorable and nice. And it was great. Want to like queue up on YouTube that song from the movie? We are Canadian. I was one to two. We're all for one. Yeah, I always, yeah, that's the only way I remember the like full title of the league is by mm-hmm. sort of singing it in my head. So w- would I be Kit in this situation? You would situation? be Kit, the, the, the rogue younger sibling yeah, pitcher. Yeah, she was a redhead too. Yeah. I think... Uh, Am I the yeah. one that like, that girl that like smokes in the outfield? Patty. You could. I could be that girl. As, Madonna. I think MC is, is Marla Hooch. Oh, God. That's <laughs> 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 terrible. <laughs> To a tribute. It's a long song. I think it picks up now. <laughs> the beat's about to drop. <laughs> anyway, I just YouTube link in their own song. Get the gist. Yeah. But that was an amazing movie. One of my favorite movies. It's a wonderful movie. One and of it's Tom really, Hanks' best movies. Yeah, it's great. And, and it's really great to just think about women in baseball. So how was it for you? You got to meet them, right? I got to meet them. Yeah, just really briefly. They were just doing photo ops. But they were they were really sweet. I got a little visor with a logo. It's the only time I'm ever going to be able to buy something that has that logo on nice. it. Nice. So, so, yeah. It was You're hanging out with really I was with, yeah, some of our volunteers. Awesome. Um, we also saw Cal Ripken Jr., which is pretty cool. It's kind of, we're wandering around and stumbled upon Cal Ripken coaching some kids. I drove the Orioles? Mm, yes. Yeah. Wow. I drove past his stadium today. What? Was, uh, <laughs> wait, what? You were in Baltimore wait, today? You don't know where I am at all times anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> My little implant chip must be malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your, uh, your your Find Friends app on your iPad has oh, malfunctioned. Where did you go this weekend? Uh, I was down in the D.C. metro area. Ah, yes. For 24 hours. A whole 24 hours. Yes. But Maureen should also talk about what else she's doing with Thea. What are you on, like week three of ten? Oh, good lord! So let's just get a lowdown on my life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. So Ohio <laughs> transplant. This is the Maureen update. Ohio transplant to New York City. If you want to live in this city, this is your inauguration. Yeah. This is what you must do. Working for me and living here. Yeah. So I gained a reputation recently for really enjoying barbecue food. Um, and so our good friend Thea sent me an article from Gothamist that's the top ten barbecue restaurants in New York City. And we're like, oh, this is cool. That's great. And then all of a sudden we're like, let's go to all of them. <laughs> and so every, every single Wednesday from uh, through the end of August we're doing barbecue. And we've done three weeks so far. We don't know what we've gotten ourselves into. We've managed to, like, cut ourselves down from the first couple weeks because we were overeating. Uh, but, um, that would make but sense. yeah, so so that's what I'm doing. So And you're blogging about it somewhere. Say is blogging about Thea's it. I'm blogging just, I'm about just it. eating. Awesome. There's no time for me to blog when awesome. I'm eating. <laughs> uh, what else was I going to say? Something relevant but now irrelevant. Oh, speaking of baseball, we launched our brand new baseball jersey t-shirts. Yeah, that's correct. That's a really good transition. That's, that's, segway? That's phenomenal. Yeah. I, segway of the night award for me? Yes. Okay. Well, so far. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about our brand new baseball jerseys. Well, Matthew, <laughs> coming up in the news, you'll find out how to buy them. I'm glad that I can uh, make you giggle. Yeah, you can. You can. Why do they call them raglans? What does that word mean? I don't, I don't know. know what that word means. It's called a raglan. Let's hold, furiously Google. Hold, please. <laughs> furiously Google. My new band name. The Furious Googlers. 
That's got to be someone's band name already. It's probably, yeah, so, they're around. If you haven't noticed, oh, so having or denoting sleeves that continue in one piece up to the neck of a garment without a shoulder or seam. So I guess the fact that the... The sleeve the, goes all the way to the neck and yeah. then stopping at the shoulder. Ah, mm-hmm. very nice. Well, now yes. we know. Yes. Uh, Fun and, fact. And obviously Fun we're missing someone tonight. We're missing Annie Goodman. Annie's on vacation, a well-deserved vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for those of you just joining us tonight, Annie Goodman is a one-and-a-half-year breast cancer survivor mm-hmm. uh, who comes to us uh, from the world of the young adult cancer movement. And, uh, again, everyone deserves a vacation, but, damn, after 18 months, you need a vacation. Yeah. And she, she usually stumbles through the intro. Yeah, it's Kenny Johnson. I make a, yeah, I did. Tonight. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. So come back next week for a better intro. Okay. Well, we're waiting for our uh, spotlight to call in, so we're going to have to stall for time on purpose. So I guess I'll just talk about how my wife and I decided to take a vacation with my kids for the very first time. Okay. Because everyone out there knows that um, I have twin three-year-olds. They are the Truman Show of Facebook for our organization. Those poor children. Those poor children. You are their uncle. Poor uncle. And um, basically, uh, uh, we decided to go to Dutch Wonderland. We you, had never did that of, happen already? No, no. We're going in August. Okay. When the show's off. By the way, the show's off in August, folks. Just put that out there. Even yeah. though we announced it to like 30 million people anyway. Yes. So we're going into Dutch Wonderland, and it's going to be an experiment to see if we can actually... I think it's more of an experiment for you than them. Much more for me than... They're just going to sit there and be like, ah! <laughs> they're going to eat? And you're going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, but they're toilet trained now, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway. All right, well, um, why don't you cue it up? All right, I'll cue up the news here, then. We'll just cue up the news, and we'll make it work tonight. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All right, Kenny. All right, Matthew, you can head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That's right, events.stupidcancer.org, your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Something to be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. We've got some events coming up in Rochelle Park, New Jersey, Indianapolis, Vermont. We're going to go up there and get some of your, uh, your favorite tractor trees. Oh, it's good stuff. Matt had to explain to me what tractor trees actually was years ago. Uh, and, of course, the WeSpark group out in L.A. Okay, save the date for OMG 2014, the 7th annual OMG Cancer Summer for Young Adults, April 25, 6, 7, at the Palms Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada next spring. Visit omg2014.org, sign up for the official mailing list, and join the official OMG Summit group on Facebook to stay in the loop. All right, Matt, the, the big reveal for the Stupid Cancer Raglan shirt, you can head on over to stupidcancerstore.org, check out all of our gear. We've got a ton of stuff. Send us your picture, hashtag mention us on Instagram, and we will see you there, stupidcancerstore.org. And finally, the Super Cancer Forums is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.org and sign up with Facebook, and that is your... Stupid Cancer News. We are such losers. Yeah. At least we have each other. All right. Well, guess what? Blair Cobb is our official Survivor Spotlight. But she's an <laughs> advocacy spotlight. She's a survivor of Atlanta. Okay? So let me introduce you properly with my horrible 1998 music. Blair Cobb is passionate about helping companies and individuals unlock their potential for doing well and doing good. She most recently served as a Senior Director of Cause Marketing and Community Relations at AOL, America Online. And uh, a department she created in 2010. Please oh, welcome to the Super Cancer Show, Blair Cobb. Thank you. Has Hello. anyone ever introduced you that way before? Actually, no. I'm, was that 28K or 56K? That was, that was 33.4. Oh, okay. okay. 
Was that the song from uh, uh, what yeah. was Get Shorty? Get Shorty. Yeah. Fun how'd, fact. How do you know? <laughs> Fun fact I just picked up. <laughs> well, I'm I'm really excited that you're here tonight. Thanks for filling in. In the event that our spotlight does call in, we will switch over to her. Fine. But this could be our pre-con okay. to our larger conversation with Claudia and Susan Great. at the second half of the show. Great. So, all right, I mentioned that you're from Atlanta. You survived Atlanta, but you're not from Atlanta. You're from Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut, yes. Okay. Oy vey. Oy vey, yeah. Moved from Connecticut through high school, and then uh, my dad's job decided to move unexpectedly, and uh, I found myself a uh, Yankee, uh, moved down to Georgia three weeks before I went to college and found myself uh, amidst 20,000 uh, Georgians at uh, the University of Georgia. <laughs> Nothing awkward Very about nice. that. Nothing awkward about that. Um, you know, I, I was called a damn Yankee for, you know, about about the first year, but um, one of the best experiences I've ever had. A lot of great barbecue down there. Would I'll have to highly recommend you visiting out. Athens, Georgia, <laughs> or going to a tailgate. There's always uh, barbecues going on. I'd be happy to do that. Hey, gross. Yeah. One of my favorite restaurants in Athens is The Last Resort. Oh, you've been. Their shrimp and grits is probably, to this day, like, one of my favorite meals. I like their potato pancakes. I've not had the potato pancakes. That's good. Yeah. That's so really have you, you didn't go to Georgia, no, did you? No, I've, I've been to Athens before, though. Music? I take uh, it? Maybe? Yeah. 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 Some, some live music. Always good good tunes. And yeah. Atlanta. We, we're down in Atlanta a couple of times a year for various conferences and pit stops. We actually we drove through... Atlanta on the stupid cancer road trip. Oh, you did? Yeah, so we were hanging out in Five Points. And, yeah. I uh, lived in Virginia Highlands most recently. Okay. Yeah, so in town. My parents live, it's OTP outside the perimeter uh, in Roswell, one of the suburbs, and I lived ITP in uh, Virginia Highlands. Ah. Great, great area. Right. Very different than New York City. So, so would the Claremont be ITP or OTP? <laughs> oh, the Claremont is ITP, baby. Okay, cool. <laughs> We'll get into what that is later. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll let you explain. Anyone listening from Atlanta tonight? Is... <laughs> You're absolved. Yes. We forgive you. <laughs> yeah, my first experience in Atlanta was actually the very – when I first was – when I was able to start drinking again after my treatment mm. ended when I was sick in the 90s, uh, my one of my, my mother's best friend's daughter was like a sister to me growing up, and she went to Emory. So she invited me down in 1998, like two years after my treatments, and I was finally able to drink again. So she took me to a place called Fishbowl. I don't know. If, it's probably not there anymore, but basically they only serve drinks in fishbowls with giant, like, 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 like child-size novelty straws. Did you have to be carried out? Um, I don't remember anything <laughs> else. <laughs> so was, he might have wound up at the, the Claremont the Center. Clare, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember anything from that weekend except that I went to Fishbowl. And then there was another place called Goldfingers, which was um, uh, like a James Bond-style secret spy bar. Again, it's, like this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. But that's my that's my Atlanta memory. Yeah. Atlanta's a great place. Yeah. I have to say, it's a great way of life. Buckhead. Great culture. Buckhead. Buckhead's great. Great restaurants. We just lost a, my first intern, so I guess she might have been like number three or four, uh, to Atlanta. So now she's assimilating, and, and she knows that I have a little bit of Atlanta history, so she's been asking me what she should do and where she should go. And I'm just like, you know what, stick to Yelp, go to Five Points. And, and Five Points is great. Yeah. Yeah, Virginia Highlands, Midtown, Buckhead, Five Points area, can't really go wrong. Not too bad out there. No. So let's talk about America Online, because nothing conjures up America Online. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that's the right one. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
Many, many. We have to wait for this to finish to start talking to you. Many, many a summer day in like middle school. And then the phone rang. Yeah, mom would pick up and be like, "What's this noise on the line?" Like, mom. (laughs) I didn't save my. I didn't save my work. Okay. (laughs) We are now connected to the America Online. Yes. With uh, with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You've got mail. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Did you ever meet that guy? Does anyone know who that guy is? The You Got Mail guy? You know, actually, I I don't know the answer to that. To the Google. Hopefully. We should find I'm out. Who is the, I know who Mr. <laughs> movie phone is. Movie oh, yeah? phone is an AOL property. There is a Mr. Movie phone. Uh, Don LaFontaine? We'd have to Google that, too. I don't know who. Oh, Don LaF- no, Don LaFontaine is the guy that goes, in a world. Yeah. He, he passed away a couple <laughs> years ago. You're talking about, like, if you'd like to read this book, yeah. press one. You've that called guy. Mr. Movie Phone. Yeah, yeah. that guy. Uh, the, the You've Got Mail guy is named Elwood Edwards, born 1949. What a horrible name. I wonder actor. if he gets paid every time. Imagine that. You've Got Mail. How many emails has anyone received wow. on AOL in 30 years? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Smart man if you set that up. Matt. So he he appeared in an episode of The Simpsons where he provided the voice actor of a virtual doctor saying, you've got leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact of the evening. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised so you don't know that. <laughs> Matt's, like a, Matt's the only Simpsons nerd. <laughs> no, I'm not the only. I'm one of many. We, we do exist. We're, we're a dying breed. Family Guy, American Like Glee is the new Simpsons. Like... Yeah, Family Guy, American Dad. I'm oh, a yeah. McFarland loser. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Anyway. So, America Online, mm-hmm. um, critically famous for imploding and then getting reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, you were part of the rebirth process, mm-hmm. and they're doing some really wonderful things these days. So, yeah. tell us about your tenure there. Yeah. I was uh, with AOL uh, for six years. Um, started there in Atlanta, actually. Um, my background was in advertising sales. Uh, got moved up to New York. Um, was doing that for about a year and a half. And... Um, found the advertising sales world to be a little less than what I would call fulfilling mm-hmm. um, and didn't want to leave the company. But, um, you know, in working with big advertisers like General Mills and Nestle, who all had their kind of charitable arms, uh, caused marketing programs, realized that uh, there was a lot that AOL could do um, in terms of using our resources to give back to nonprofits. So, through a conversation uh, with the CEO, Tim Armstrong, uh, started the cause marketing department back in 2010. Um, you know, and I really credit him coming. He came over from Google, I think it was 2009, 2010, really brought with him a big entrepreneurial spirit. So um, people like me, uh, apparently there's a name for people like me, intrapreneurs. So intrapreneur? People, intrapreneur, yes. I uh, didn't know that that word existed, but people who create uh, change within existing companies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's what I did creating this group and um, looked at all of the resources that AOL had. So not necessarily just money, um, but looking at the reach that we have, the technology, the content with acquisitions like Huffington Post, um, you know, looking at ways that we can give back to nonprofits in a way that also benefits us. So uh, I think in my tenure, we gave away about $80 million in pro bono inventory uh, to about 500-plus um, nonprofits, which I'm very, very proud of, and also took over employee volunteerism. AOLers have three days a year to give back in their communities, and it's something that's championed all the way up uh, to Tim himself. So uh, always nice to work at a company that it's really actually giving back as a core tenant of the of the company, and it's it's actually lived. And you get paid to do it. 
And I got paid to do it. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is, uh, you know, everyone said, you've got the best gig in the world. You get to work at a company and, you know, kind of be in charge of the, the do good part of the company. So, uh, right. so yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's so, yeah. I mean, Google has something called the 20, right? The yeah. 20 program. They, 20% oh, of their annual yeah. work has to be dedicated to some kind of corporate good. Corporate good or yeah. like entrepreneur coming up with their yeah, own. Yeah, good ideas yeah. and whatever. Yeah, Google like, is another one. I mean, they yeah. do a ton with their foundation and various. Uh, crisis response using their technology for good. So what are some of the things that you've done with them? What are some examples of the work you did with AOL, specifically with charity? Specifically with charity? Um, let's see. Well, uh, one was um, in light of uh, when Hurricane Sandy happened. Um, AOL owns um, it's a network of sites called Patch, which is hyper-local. Um, we're in 900-plus uh, towns across America. Uh, 300 of the Patch towns were actually affected by Hurricane Sandy. Um, so in cooperation with the Red Cross, um, we actually, and through our Patch ties in those communities, were able to um, actually deploy trucks, use AOL employees, uh, work with the American Red Cross to understand the needs of those individual communities, and then through the access of our online editors, get trucks and employees in there to uh, give goods to those communities, uh, whereas many other organizations were not able to even get in. Um, you know, so I think in a company like AOL, when you you know really can use all of your resources, it's amazing when it all comes together um, from a charitable perspective, from money um, to the content that we created out of it to partnerships. Um, you know, all the way down to employee engagement, because I've always been a big believer that unless your employees are engaged and actively giving back, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot, um, much more than just writing a check. So, yeah, right. that was one of the last things we did when I was there, and that was uh, a very thrilling moment to see everyone come together in response like that. And that's really wonderful stuff. That's remarkable. And yeah. that kind of, you know, I, I like to run this company in a way that one might argue I don't really run the company, but the company runs itself that, you know, I like the fact that Maureen does a lot of really cool volunteer work, and Kenny, Kenny, Kenny's uh, splintering off for a, a non-profit job called the Save Kenny's Liver Foundation. Yes, it's a, it's a 501c drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's a, 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 a 501c beer. <laughs> All right. Kenny Kane, everyone. Yay, yeah. good night. Yeah. No, it's important, though. I mean, when you have... AOL is 5,000-plus employees globally. Right. So I think it's, you know, it's it's also important to be able to construct programs that you're not necessarily telling people, you work at AOL, you need to care about this, but really fostering programs to help employees actually, you know, fulfill and get supported in the, uh, the organizations that they care about themselves. So this notion of corporate social responsibility, I mean, we're kind of taking this interview in any random direction. Sure. Um, how does corporate social responsibility and um, like uh, I I lost the words. Glad that I'm not the only one. <laughs> Sustainability. Okay. No, like like cause marketing and corporate social responsibility are almost two different things that tend to need to interoperate, right? I guess so. I get lost, and I think most people do in all of the jargon. I mean, yeah. It's kind of like the word organic. It gets used so many times, yeah. it just kind of dilutes the purpose. Let's go green. Let's go green. <laughs> what does that actually mean? Um you know, yes, I think corporate social responsibility typically looks at the, like the triple bottom line, right? Yeah. And I think historically it was looking at more of the environmental impact, and now yeah. that you see um, more of the shared value model, where how is actual business 
um, you know, the way that you conduct your business, not only benefiting the, you know, its people, um, the planet, but also the profit, right? It's kind of long gone are the days where companies just cut checks. Um, so I think cause marketing is one way that companies, yes, are able to give back, but let's be honest. I mean, we're companies, right? So cause marketing is a way that we can give back to nonprofits, but in a way that is mutually beneficial uh, for the company itself. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's then, let's just dive right in. We'll wait for Claudia and um, Susan to dial in in a few minutes. But yeah. in terms of the world of healthcare, um, how has AOL tackled that, if at all? Anything specifically in healthcare? Uh, you mean specifically for its own employees? Well, I mean, Huffington Post has a very robust healthy living platform, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, underneath that is the Generation Y. Yeah. Vertical that we help work with them to create, yeah. and there's like 150 pieces on there, and, and yeah. finally giving voice to millennials and cancer, which is a wonderful yeah, thing. That's great. Um, so, within your purview, mm-hmm. uh, where have you seen healthcare uh, engagement on AOL's part besides content? Besides content, I mean, I I think that's more or less. I think it's a tough question to answer. If I was going to just look at apart from the content outside of the way that we have treated our own employees and the initiatives that we um, have put in place from uh, food to Virgin Half Miles, actually encouraging people to get active and get healthy because I quite honestly think that we think about the triple bottom line, right? Um, But we also have to look at the way that we treat our employees or even, you know, encouraging the consumers that we, you know, that we reach. Uh, Because at the end of the day, right, um, you know, the better your uh, or the healthier your own employees are, you know, the lower your health care costs, right? So AOL has, uh, you know, definitely, I think, invested a lot in the health and uh, wellness of its own employees so we can, for our own good, um, you know, be mindful of the health care costs. But but outside of that, I think it would be hard for me to answer that question. I didn't, and... I'm spitballing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, cool. there are entire industries. Keep shooting, yeah. No, no, there are entire industries out there that build systems in large corporations that incentivize employee wellness, mm-hmm. where you can actually earn points if you do a marathon or you. Oh yeah, you know, we had pedometers that yeah, you yeah. would wear, kind of like yeah. the Nike Fuel Band, right? But it would count your number of steps, and if you did it, you got charity. You know, you got you know checks cut back to you. You got more money or right. vacation days, things like that. Yeah. Um, but like anything, you just have to make it cool, right, and make everyone – once yeah. one person does it, everyone does it. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the tough thing with big companies. You just have to cut through the clutter and make people aware of programs like that and incent them to do it in a way. So you did have you – had, you walked around pedometers all day? Uh, yes, people did it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Was there, was there uh, shaming involved? Uh no, no. <laughs> Why not? But now with City Bike, it would have been a lot easier rather than just taking the subway. Right. Yeah. Do you use City Bike? So I have not used it yet. Uh, my boyfriend actually just signed up for it, but you don't actually get that. You sign up, and it takes about 10 days for you to actually get right. the pass. But I swear, I mean, every block I turn, it seems that there's a city bike station, um, and I'm seeing people all around using it, and I think it's I think it's brilliant, apart from the helmet issue where you can't enforce yeah, people to wear yeah. helmets, but I'm not seeing anyone on these city bikes wearing helmets. I wanted to I, – I was. there's really nothing out there, but I wanted to create a Tumblr that aggregated, like, wipeout pictures mm. of people on these city bikes. Maybe not, like – like not wipeout is a bad – just, like, <laughs> like, like fumbles, city bike yeah. fumbles where, where it could be, like, interesting uh, things that take place yeah. with the city bike, aside from people going against traffic and getting ticketed and, and all the other – Well, I've even thought – I don't know if you've seen those things in the back of 
of taxi cabs when like you're opening the cab door, you know, and I've heard of people yeah. who just tumble over those yeah. cab doors as they, you know, and I've almost, you know, hit people with the cab door too. Yeah. Um, but no, I guess legally, you know, because I asked someone about that, I was like, why isn't City Bike, why don't they give the helmets out? And apart from a sanitary issue, obviously, yeah. um, you don't, you know, people, I, I think it's a certain age requirement, uh, you know, up to 13 or something like that, you have to wear the helmet. Yep. But, uh, you know, if you're above 18, you don't have to. So they, you know. Is it really, that's really the rule? It's not, yeah, it's not I, mandatory. I, 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 it's not mandatory. Unless you're on a motorcycle. Right? Motorcycle is mandatory. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a motored vehicle. Yeah. When people start hacking the city bikes with engines. <laughs> right. Have you guys ever ridden a bike in New York? In general or the yeah, city like bike? Yeah, like on the streets Matt, can't, I, Matt can't actually ride a bike. No. <laughs> no, no, no. We have yet to teach Matt how to ride yes. a bike. <laughs> um, yes, yes, the answer is yes. I have not ridden a bike in New York City. No, I, I adamantly don't ride because, uh, I, I, as we mentioned, I grew up in Ohio, and I just I'm terrified of you know there's so many I, other cars. <laughs> I have <laughs> I, I have ridden um, my motorcycle in Manhattan, oh. which is which is fun. Yeah, Kenny yeah. rides a hog. Yeah, are you one really? of the guys that weaves? In <laughs> I don't Depends like on the situation. If it, if it's like 90 miles an hour, you know, the traffic's moving. I'm not weaving, but if it's just people who are who are hogging lanes and clogging and bottlenecking, perhaps there's some room to weave. I see. At lower speeds, much yeah. lower speeds, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Claudia and Susan are on the line. I'm going to bring them up in a second. But one final question. We yeah. can't figure this out. Uh, this has to be some sort of Bloomberg Secret Society, you know, um, a nanny state thing that happens at night. Where do all the bikes go at night when they're not filling up the spots? Oh. Like, there, there are other spots. There are other spots. No, are there crews yeah. out there that – re-even out all the bike distribution every night. This keeps Matt up at night. This keeps me up at night. That's an interesting we've, question. We've been debating it. There has to be an even know. distribution every morning. No, the, my bike thing isn't full in the morning. There's one in my corner. It's not always full. Really? No. Maybe that's why there's so many. Because there's one over here that's full, full every morning. The one on church right here is full every morning. But it's well, that's because people are driving them into town and parking it there. Yeah. Uh, okay. You might have to get on one. We're yeah. going to have just to lie to me and tell me there's a bunch of gnomes running around. But now this is going to bother me, so yeah. I'm going to have to investigate that. I want to know the distribution map of the re- reallocation <laughs> process of the city bikes. Mike Bloomberg, get back to me. All right. Well, all right. Well, we are uh, we are on track. Here it is, 8.30 here on the Stupid Cancer Show. I had a time check. Look at that. And uh, we're going to bring out Susan and Claudia. Let's cue up my old school music that no one likes but me. Susan Schultz is the editorial brand director for Cosmopolitan Magazine, overseeing special projects such as the Cosmopolitan footwear, handbag, and lingerie line at JCPenney, the soon-to-be-launched line of books called Cosmo Red Red Hot Reads from Harlequin, YouTube's Cosmo's Sexy vs. Skanky video series, and other brand extensions. And Claudia Chan is a women's leadership and lifestyle expert who's interviews and celebra- who interviews and celebrates today's female role models on her site, ClaudiaChan.com, a uh, year-round events which include the Global Women's Week SHE Summit. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Claudia Chan and Susan Schultz. Here we go. One, two, yay. Hey, hey. everybody. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for calling in. It's great to have you guys on the show. Great to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Blair, Blair's been generous enough to donate her life uh, to us <laughs> for the last half hour here in studio. So I think, Susan, you probably dodged a bullet. So, uh, oh, 
Well, I'm sorry I couldn't be there in the studio. I love being in a radio studio because it's just so much fun, and you just like you can vibe off each other so well. So I would have preferred to have been there, but this is second second best. All right, rain check definitely for both of you. Great. Um, so I just want to kick it off right now. I'd love uh, everyone loves Blair now because she's been on the air for 30 <laughs> minutes. But I'd love for each of you to basically let's talk about you know your your life, your career, where you've come from, and kind of what led you to this point where you're on the air with us tonight. Let's start with uh, with Claudia. All right, pick All right, me, pick Matt. Me. All right, <laughs> the first one to go. Um. Well, let's see. Um, so, as you mentioned, um, I, I work in the women's leadership and lifestyle content space. And uh, I basically, um, in, in the first decade of my career, I was focused on more women's lifestyle um, entertainment content. Um, like last company, Chuck used girls' night out parties around the nation. Um, but then I started looking um, into, like, realizing the state of women and the big gender gap in leadership positions across different industries, and I became passionate about women's empowerment, and so I started interviewing women, um, obviously, as you mentioned, on my site, ClaudiaChan.com, and Weissman found me um, about a few months ago, and they were like, we'd love for you to be part of the committee, and at first, I was like, well, I don't really know much about science, and I don't know if I'm the right person, and, and but... Um, they actually, that was pretty intentional because, um, and I've, I've really appreciated it because um, they've really gotten me thinking about the topic of women and young girls and how they relate to the science field. And so um, that's really how I got involved. And it's just been extremely rewarding being a part of um, this community, uh, committee with Weissman um, in the last few months. Well, thanks for that, Claudia. Um, I'm in the same boat. When, when I was approached, I'm like, I'm not a science person. So they said exactly. I was like, okay. So, uh, but that led to our beautiful first date a couple of weeks ago, and um, right. got to meet Susan as well. So, Susan, go ahead. So, well, I've always been in magazines. I've been a magazine editor, and uh, I, I, for the most of my career, I was actually working for teen magazines. I worked for YM. Um, then I was the editor in chief of Cosmo Girls, so I really got a sense of you know the way that young women think. And then I, you know, for in recent years, have worked for Cosmo on all those fun projects that you mentioned before, such as Sexy vs. Skanky, which always does put a, a smile or a laugh into someone's uh, into what someone's saying. But um, you know, I a few years ago I was also uh, very heavily involved in, and still am with an organization called New York Women in Communications and. Through an auction that we were doing, I met uh, this woman, Laura Post, who is now working with Weitzman. And so Laura and I have been friends for the last couple of years, and she always is interested in interesting things that I've never heard of before, but that are doing just such groundbreaking work. And so when she called me, it was about six months ago now, and told me what Weitzman was doing with the Tomorrow Lab, uh, it just it just completely made sense to me, you know, that, that this idea that an organization was finally trying to change the face of science and make science not this geek thing. I mean, obviously we all love watching the Big Bang Theory and, and all of that, but, you know, it's sort of like how to bring science to regular people, let them know that it's not just a geeky thing, that science is really the beginning of, of any kind of change 
you know, whether it comes to iPhones, hello, you know, those are scientists back there, engineers, and people who know those things, and they've got the coolest jobs in the world. So anyway, um, that's how I was brought into the fold and how I got to be part of that lunch that you two mentioned. And uh, it really is so exciting, this idea that tomorrow lab where we know what we're starting is going to take a long time, but we're starting it, and it's going to work. Like, we know it's going to work. It's just a matter of putting our focus on it. Um, from all of our different, you know, backgrounds that that we bring, and it's just a really exciting opportunity. Well, thanks for that. I wanted to touch on that exactly, which is, um, you know, there's been so much more scienciness. I'll make that word up like Stephen Colbert does. Uh, in our culture in the last decade because of the Internet, because of mobile phones and, and everything we do in our daily lives, everything from a Fitbit to the fuel ban, that's scienciness. And um, ha- my question to the three of you, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Blair answer first perhaps, is has there been an increase in the number of women getting into the science field, and has it made uh, a noticeable dent at all? Well, this is Blair. I think I would, you know, comment. I don't have the numbers offhand, but I was actually uh, in D.C. for um, a summit that the White House held. It was called the Tech Inclusion Summit. And there was multiple folks um, there, various organizations, various groups, um, talking about the crisis, essentially the crisis that the U.S. has right now, just in terms of, uh, you know, where we stand um, in the world and the, you know, in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math, um, you know, and as a coalition coming together to, you know, discuss and, you know, issues of how do we resolve this. Um, and I found it quite interesting that, you know, primarily, you know, there was groups in there. Um, it's a nationwide problem, but I would say primarily focused, um, you know, even more so on uh, the female uh, female genders. And I think, you know, it's something that in, you know, middle school and then going into high school, right, it's kind of becomes that maybe that geeky thing and I you know you hear a lot of stories about girls who were really interested and I was one of them you know growing up and then in high school and then on to college I you know there's just that this shift that happens um and you know maybe I just didn't see how relevant it could become into various career paths I thought I had to become some sort of you know marine biologist or you know a chemist which I I didn't think I necessarily was but um you know I think that yes there is uh, you know, quite a concern about, um, you know, the number and the levels of women, um, you know, in the field of science, technology, engineering, and math. And I know a lot of great organizations here in New York, specifically like Girls Who Code, who are really combating and targeting. Even the Huffington Post has, uh, you know, a section stem for specifically for women, trying to link uh, mentors, female mentors, um, you know, in the STEM arena, um, partnering with, you know, middle school and high school girls interested in that and kind of, you know, have that coach, have that mentor to bring them in, um, you know, and let them believe that it's, you know, it's the good thing to go into that career. That's amazing. And, and Claudia, this is kind of your purview. You work on empowering women around yeah. the world. And actually, um, Blair mentioned Reshma, uh, Reshma, our friend's um, nonprofit, Girls Who Code, and I actually took a look at um, prior to the call, like just looking around um, 
you know, looking around at stats, and um, they do say that, you know, today women represent 12% of computer science graduates, and in 1984, it was 37%. And so, and that's obviously, they're focusing more on, like, engineering and technology, um, but by, like, if you just look at that field, by 2020, there's a field, there will be 1.4 million computer specialist job openings, and... You know, and it's like how many, you know, how do we get more women to get those roles? And, you know, for me, it's, you know, when you look at, you know, corporate, you know, Fortune 700 CEOs, you know, 4% are women. So I think it's really, it's really critical that in every category, you know, in every category of industry, you know, we need more women in leadership positions. Absolutely. And But it definitely, I think, I think there is a major, as Blair said, there is a major problem. But I look back at, when I just talk to so many friends of mine, my friend Laura, you know, went to UPenn, studied bioengineering, and then immediately she graduated, nothing with it, and got an MBA at Yale, and, like, decided she couldn't pursue, she didn't want to pursue that world. I have another friend that got into Boulder, Colorado, majored, you know, first year engineering. She was, like, one or two girls out of, like, mostly guys. Um, and it was um, a really tough really environment, environment socially, and so she switched to her sophomore year. So, so, you know, you hear a lot of those stories of, um, you know, like, you know, like young women might, might have interest in science and math or want to be a vet when they grow up, but there's something about the culture um, that changes their mind, you know, and I, and I think the way to do something about that is, you know, I think, you know, you know at media, whether it's media, whether it's, um, you know, we need to get more female role models out there who have had really successful and just happy careers in science and in STEM and really share their stories and make them relevant and practical and, um, and inspirational. So, Susan, um, if uh, Twilight wasn't about vampires but about scientists, would we see more adoption? Well, you know what? It depends on how good-looking the actors who are portraying the scientists, because I think that that always goes a long way for teenage girls and young women. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, here's the thing. You know, we we always assume that because men have, uh, you know, like whether they're running, you know, there are more male politicians and there are more male scientists that, that you know, men are just doing whatever they want. I mean, the thing is, the reason we need women in, in, in scientific careers is because we'll have ideas that will benefit women. It's not that men are jerks. They just often don't think of things the same way that women would. And that is one of the reasons we really need more women in science careers, and I think that if we marketed it to young women in that way, they, they would have that aha moment of, yeah, let me try to pursue that, because what women have is that they want to help. Like, that's what a lot of women say when we do surveys at Cosmo, and even things that I used to do at Cosmo Girl, that women want to make a difference in the world as much as they might want to make money. So if you can appeal to them in that way that you're going to help mankind through your career, that is very attractive to them. But I will also say about the money thing, I mean, we all are wondering, there are industries that are starting to kind of, you know, have a downturn, um, frankly, my own, but uh, I think that the technology of what's happening in the publishing industry is actually what's going to save the publishing industry, and the technology, of course, goes back to science and technology careers. Um, but I, I think that, you know, if we also appeal to young women by saying these careers are lucrative, you will actually make a nice salary if you pursue a science career. 
I think that will really appeal to them because everybody wants to make money on some level. Maybe everybody doesn't want to be hugely rich. But, you know, hello, money does help. So, you know, I think that the thing is we have to make young women understand that, yeah, if you go on The Voice and you win The Voice, you might make a lot of money, but that's one opportunity. So if you can show that this is such a growth opportunity for women career-wise, it's really going to resonate with them. And, again, it's the whole tomorrow thing. Like young women now will get into the industry. 20 years from now, they will be top of their field, and they will really be able to make that impact that women want to make. Well, I want to sort of steer this back in the direction of, uh, not that we were drifting, but in the direction of the, the Weizmann Institute. We were all brought together under the guise, yeah, it was science, but it's about cancer, which is this this scourge that no one's been unaffected by and that we've all been sort of uh, influenced in, in many different ways to shape our careers and our friendships and our paths. Uh, Stupid Cancer was born seven years ago to give voice to millennials. Um, I was 21 when I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm going to be 40 next year and it was the organization i wished existed back in the uh in the clinton administration but there are something like 800,000 americans who are under 40 who've had cancer under 40 and they're the ones that are really looking to people like us to be the voice of change and to get behind initiatives that are all about disrupting the system and thinking about how we go about uh accomplishing goals uh more collaboratively and more intelligently so I was hoping you could each – we all, we all joked that Laura did a great job fish-hooking us into the, the lunch meeting there. Um, but I'd love to hear your experience uh, getting into the Weitzman universe and what that has meant to you so far. So let's start with uh, with Susan. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, the stupid cancer, what you, what you talked about that day, Matt, and how you're really trying to do something different in terms of getting – you know, raising awareness, getting more research, really trying to fight this – you know, in the past five years, there are three friends of mine who have been diagnosed with colon cancer. One is luckily in remission. Uh, actually, two are in remission. One is, uh, he seems okay, but we're not sure. But it was so bizarre to me. How is it in one year's time, within a couple of months' time, that three friends of mine were diagnosed with colon cancer, and they were all under 40. A cousin of mine about five years ago at 37 years of age passed away from melanoma. He had left behind a three-year-old son. I mean, for me, I don't know if it's because I'm suddenly getting a little bit older, which, of course, I'm like, when did this happen that I'm, that I'm 40? But, in fact, I'm older. I'm actually over 40, but I'll say I'm 40. Um, yeah, it's just it's strange to me. I don't get it. What's happening? Is there something in the water? I don't know. But for me, it's very frustrating to think that we have all of the resources in the world, and why can't we figure this out? You know, and and you see things like the the progress that has been made with breast cancer over the past twenty, thirty years, and how there was such focus on the breast cancer cause. And now, if you catch, I mean, most women or many women will catch breast cancer so much earlier, and therefore their survival rate is so much higher. It's so encouraging, and so to think that, you know, if we could apply that to other cancers that are less researched at this point, how many lives would be saved, and frankly, how many young lives. It's just scary to me because I'm sort of walking around thinking, do I have cancer and I don't know it? It freaks me out because now I have three little kids, and there's a real reason I need to stick around. So, uh, you know, that's why with Weitzman and the, and the commitment to science and the, in fighting cancer, it's just... 
it's going to bring more attention to doing this in a different way and a more cohesive way, I think, because obviously every organization fights their own, uh, their own thing, but I think Weitzman is going to try to sort of synthesize this so that everybody can understand why this is, why this is important to them. Blair? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I, yes, I mean, we were, you know, pulled in and my first response was I'm not a scientist and, you know, am I really qualified? And I remember Laura sent me a list of um, all of the various research studies and initiatives that Weitzman was working on. And she said, take a look through this list and, you know, let us know what, what interests you. And, um you know, I'm someone, you know, I was formerly with AOL, uh, kind of in the social good um, world, and, you know, through that got exposed to a lot of different organizations, um, you know, and helped to fuel my own passion around health and wellness, specifically in nutrition. And tying that back to Weitzman, um, you know, one of the uh, research studies that I found that Laura had sent a link on was looking at, uh, you know, the health effects and benefits um, that garlic has. Uh, an element in garlic called allicin um, that, you know, th- through their research, uh, they've linked to, you know, l- you know, being a, a fighter and any uh, cancer fighting agent. And I remember reading that and just thinking, wow, you know, and that was something that I could digest. And why isn't this something that, um, you know, we aren't telling everyone not to say that cancer or, you know, eating garlic is going to cure everyone of cancer, but you know, thinking about, um, you know, the role, uh, you know, that, you know, I had, um, you know, and, you know, do working at AOL, um, you know, an experience in, you know, mass communication and how can we, you know, really translate. And I kind of think that those, uh, you know, chosen to be part of the Tomorrow Lab, kind of those intermediaries of, you know, how do we help kind of transmit, because um, I think the biggest problem sometimes with science is it just tends to be a little too complicated, right? So how can we, you know, help, you know, kind of transmit, uh, you know, the messages and the findings that Weitzman is doing, um, you know, in general. And that's why, you know, the garlic research really intrigued me. And personally, um, you know, we all have, you know, friends. I had a a friend who, um, a, a really good family friend who just passed of breast cancer. And it was ultimately, um, I remember I shared in uh, our summit a couple weeks ago, uh, it was ultimately the chemo that killed her. And, you know, it got me thinking of just the, the lifestyle decisions that, um, you know, we make every day, right? Um, and not to say that the food we eat is necessarily going to cause or, you know, prevent cancer. Um, but it's personally, um, you know, given me rise. I've since signed up for a, a certificate in integrative nutrition, um, which is really specifically actually looked at more research, specifically coming out of Cornell, um, uh, a guy named Dr. Colin Campbell looking at kind of the linkage between, um, you know, animal-based proteins um, and various diets, sugar, and, you know, linking that to, uh, you know, rates in cancer. And I really attribute that to really, you know, looking through the research uh, from Weitzman and kind of the garlic, and it intrigued me and piqued my interest even more to think about, well, what other findings are out there? Um, so it's it's definitely impacted me and has impacted kind of how I'm thinking of what I want to do and how I live my life every day. So um, I just think there needs to be more of us to kind of help evangelize the great work of Weitzman and transmitting these, you know, great findings that they're getting. Exactly. Well said. And I forget who was next. <laughs> Claudia? Claudia. Claudia. <laughs> Losing track. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, similar story to Susan and Blair. Um, I think the initial... 
the initial, like, I guess the last time I came across or even really thought about science was, you know, back in, back in high school. Um, and I think for a lot of that's, that's the case. There's that hard science, you know, um, you, you, you know, you relate to it. You think lab coats and, and um, really complicated stuff. And I think uh, what I've appreciated about, about being a part of this influencer committee um, is just, uh, the work uh, the that they, work Weissman's they done in terms of really demystifying, you know, what science means, and because it really is related to absolutely everything that we do and how we live and how we are able to live the way that we do. Um, and you know, often we don't really, often we don't really um, think about it unless somebody gets sick in our family. And you know, my father, uh, for the last few years, you know, has been in and out of the hospital. There were some really, really scary moments, and you know, it just start, it just gets you thinking about, you know, the how critical and how important um, the work is that doctors and medicine and um, and every field does. And, and the other the other interesting thing is, um, you know, with with for example technology. Uh, that area of science, it's become a lot more mainstream because we're able to relate it to our lives every single day with our iPhones, with our computers, you know, Steve Jobs, Gates, you know, all these heroes, um, you know, in technology, you know, just tech is, you know, tech is what's driving our innovation, social change today, and so it's really become very mainstream. You look at a website like Mashable.com and it gets like, um, you know, um, you just, know, just an article, article, one article gets, article you know, thousands of shares and, and, you know, people are reading the New York Times, they're reading, you know, HuffPost, they're reading, you know, Mashable, and um, technology content and information has become mainstream news. Um, and even, um, you know, women, in, like, you know, girls in tech, you know, there's lots of organizations, I think, in, again, in the computer technology space, but you're not really seeing that as much maybe um, in more the medical science and other areas of science. And so I think, you know, where Weitzman has the opportunity is also just to really, again, mainstream this, the, you know, mainstream um, how science is relevant and empowering every aspect of our lives and our world. Um, and, I, and obviously that's what Tomorrow Lab is really, you know, doing. Um, I think what's very cool about Tomorrow Lab is they're sharing the stories, like even, Matthew, your story, your video, um, and... So that other, because you know that's how we that's how we educate people often is through stories and through real life experiences that other people can relate to. So um, as opposed to just throwing out hard facts and hard research, you know that might not be very digestible. I think you know what's very cool about Tomorrow Lab is um, sharing these stories and making it all very um, practical and and relevant. I like to use the word laypersonize. It's it's again I like to make up words, but it's really how you. To Blair's point, how do you take sciencyness and just make it digestible to the average human being? I want to point out something really quick. Uh, Cosmopolitan uh, Magazine, obviously a major global brand with huge influence in, in the female market. And um, you guys have been exemplary in your awareness of underage tanning and mm-hmm. skin, skin cancer prevention. And I just saw like earlier this summer uh, Lawson uh, posed naked for some cancer awareness project in the U.K., so that's 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 the potency that you have to influence and to laypersonize how this science really makes a difference. Do you have any other case studies or anything specific that the magazine and the global brand itself has um, endured uh, to make this relatable 
to get people well, you excited know, about this? We just we have actually uh, just started a new. It's not exactly a column, but it's a feature that we'll do uh, pretty frequently, and it's called "I'm Too Young for Dot Dot Dot." And in fact, our August issue, we have a story "I'm Too Young for Lung Cancer," and so we're just you know kind of finding women who can tell stories of you know the surprise moment that they found out that they had this disease that they would never even expect to happen to them. So, you know, with our with the other thing that you mentioned, our Practice Safe Sun, we've done that. I think that this is our seventh year, and it's because our former editor-in-chief actually read a stat that melanoma was the biggest killer of women under 35, and you think, you know, you would think car accidents, or I don't know what what you would think would be a killer of women under 35, but the fact that so many women still really want that golden tan, even though you can get it in a bottle and it's very natural looking, you know, why do you need to bask in a tanning bed? And yet, you know, there's a lot of people out there whose tanning bed feels so it feels so good and the warmth of it. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that people still do it, despite the fact that it's so dangerous. But you know, that's the thing is that Cosmo, you know, we're we're all about young women and what young women. And care about and how they feel about themselves, and so what we're trying to do is, you know, select those areas that that we can really get through to them, you know, and and whether it's telling them don't tan because you're going to get leathery looking, that sort of makes sense to them more than you're going to get cancer. Like, you know, they're not going to they sometimes tune out that warning, like it sounds like their mom, but we're more about, you know, you're not going to look good, and you know, like appeal to their vanity in a way. Right. Um, that kind of resonates a little bit more. But, you know, we always are trying to look for those ways to deliver the information. Kind of like, you know, they say, like, when you have little kids, like, eat your vegetables, and now they're doing those, like, juices that have vegetables hidden inside them. Right, right. you got to hide it any way you can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, and the fact is, you know, women, you know, they want to know. It's like they're not, it's not like they're all stupid, but you need to get through to them in, in, in a certain way, and, and that's what I think that we really try to do it in a way that's, uh, it doesn't sound like their mother talking to them. Right, because you can only mash up the carrots inside the cookies so many times. Right, exactly. But although carrot cake is, is quite delicious, so let's, right. let's think of it as carrot cake with that nice cream cheese frosting. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, have, I, also, I also wanted to throw in, since we're talking about women's magazines, um, and Choquette, who's the editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine, uh, recently spoke at my She Summit, and she was just saying, um, and she's been there, I think, I don't know, for over a decade, and she was saying more than ever now she's seeing an army of young female teenagers who are talking about wanting to change the world, wanting to cure cancer, wanting to start businesses. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, and I, and, I and I think, again, again uh, that's what, what, you know, going, going into this field, field you can really can solve really problems solve of the world. The world and, and, um, and, and to get to young get girls young dreaming, dreaming of that, that, you know, at a young, at a young age, age and thinking that that's really cool. Really like, I want to I I be that when I grow up. Um, it's really promising that, that, you know, we're starting to see that amongst young teenagers. And there's also, like, organizations like UN Foundation has a campaign an initiative called Girl Up, you know, where they're just teaching, um, they're getting young girls in colleges um, to, you know, drive awareness to social issues and the empowerment of women and girls globally. And um, so there's just a lot of amazing, you know, and Claire works in cause marketing. I mean, there's just so many amazing programs right now that are just sort of inspiring young girls to be positive role models. And, as, you know, so that, that work is really is really important. And, I, and again, just having, having more of that pop-up um, related to science fields would be would be great. Blair, some final thoughts on that? 
No, Claudia, as you were thinking, I was just kind of brainstorming in my head some of the, uh, you know, fabulous women's organizations. Another one that comes up is She's the First, um, led yeah, by a woman named Tammy, yeah, Tammy Tibbetts. And it's all around, you know, setting the role model of, you know, she's the first in her family to obtain an education. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of setting the precedent, changing the mold of, you know, the role women play in society, but also, you know, in their families. Um, you know, and it is. I, I think that, you know, the more that we can help visualize from a mentorship perspective, um, but also from a career perspective, um, and I think make things practical, um, you know, help girls understand and link, if they do this now, this is what they can do later. I think sometimes that link is missing sometimes, um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of what they think they can achieve. Um, and, Claudia, I think what you do with the She Summit is so great just to have those role models, you know, all in one room. And I was lucky enough working at AOL to have Ariana Huffington, um, you know, as, you know, a high-powered female executive at the company who, um, you know, was not shy in uh, voicing her opinions on various matters and, um, you know, it was just was a great role model to have. And, and, and really helped in um, you know in working at a company that that big. I think the one thing that I would hope, like I, my kids are three, but if they were like twelve and they were going to start getting excited about science, the one thing I'm excited about is the Human Brain Project. Do you guys have any uh, interaction with that? Like Obama just passed this thing; they're going to map the entire human brain right. DNA structure over the next ten years. That yeah. excites it's me. It's amazing. That me I don't me. have any injury. I don't know so much about it, but it is. It's so fascinating. This, this, you know, you know, it's almost like our generation's answer to going to the moon. Right. You know. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. I've recently downloaded the app, and I probably am a, a latecomer in doing this of Lumosity. Um, uh, yes. The brain teaser game, yes. and I'm like sitting on the subway playing it. But <laughs> apparently, their uh, discovery is one of their largest investors. They just did a, a very large investment, and they're doing a whole brain right. kind of like genome, you know, study and understanding exactly how the mind right. works and how do we actually, you know, tweak it so we can help people wherever they are in whatever way they learn adapt. And I heard today on the news on NPR. Yes, I listen to NPR. Uh, is... I do too. <laughs> They, the FDA today approved the first ever test, cranioneural test, for ADHD. Really? Yes. Wow. Oh. Actual FDA approved clinical test for children between, I think they said, 6 and 17 years old. How about corporate CEOs <laughs> of nonprofits? Yeah, right. <laughs> get my own test. So, my own so test. that will determine whether they really have ADHD as opposed to yeah, the, fact the fact that so many so seem many to be overdiagnosed, over-diagnosed right? Right, right yeah. exactly. It's a real, it's a finally legitimate litmus test and biomarker. Yeah. But again, it goes back to understanding the brain and mapping the brain. To put everything in perspective, because we're going to wrap in a minute, this is the part, this excited me the most. Anything I've learned ever in the last, like, year, this mm-hmm. excited me the most. Yeah. The, Do you the, think it will actually take more than 10 years? Well, I, something else excited me. The, the thing that excited me leading up to the Brain Project was that it took the Human Genome Project, which was the predecessor to the Human Brain Project, took 10 years and $2 billion. Okay, wow. in, ten, in 10 years and $2 billion, they sequenced one person. Now, one person and all your DNA are 3 trillion letters. Mm-hmm. Each DNA strand has 3 trillion letters. Or that's a 4-terabyte hard drive. Everyone is a 4-terabyte. So it took 10 years to do one 4-terabyte hard drive. All right, today, so this is where we're starting with the Brain Project. By comparison, today, we can sequence a person in three days for $10,000. Wow. So this is the level of tech we're at now, that the Human Brain Project is so much more exciting 
because yeah. we can actually do it. It's not like we have to wait 10 years, but we'll have it done soon, and the next eight years we'll just be analyzing it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and then the robots will take over and kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. That's the scary part is that with all the good stuff going on, what about the evil part? So it's got to be right. Exactly. Well, they can't patent jeans anymore, which is good, too. Another victory. Yeah. Yes, very true. So let's wrap up here with one final question here. I just, I, I, we're geeking out here, even though we're not geeks, and since that science is pretty cool. But, you know, science is more of a, science is a tool. It's not a solution. You know, it's part of a general way that we raise awareness and be the change we wish to see and keep empowering people. We're all media leaders. We're all thought leaders. We're all doing great things. Um, what do you see as what what you'd personally like to accomplish uh, in the next uh, two to three years based on having been introduced to what Weitzman's doing and, and now understanding how we're on parallel track with their goals? Mm-hmm. Let's start with, uh, we'll start with Claudia. You've got to start with me again. Okay. <laughs> You're my favorite. I know. I'm teasing. I love it. Um, so I Sorry, think Susan. That, Susan's you know, my favorite. One of the things that I've got about 200 interviews on my on my site right now, and I definitely would love just to, uh, more women in the STEM field and, you know, really share some amazing stories uh, of, you know, women that have had amazing careers um, in, the, in, in science. And... You know, I was actually just reading. Um, you know, I've read, I've read, I've read programs that you know, like in terms of like science women groups, and and often it's like, okay, you know, beyond just training you in terms of skills, it's also um, a lot of the social challenges and balancing career and and you know, balancing getting you know, you're you're doing the work and also personal life because it does take. It's like really devoting like so much time and years and years and years and years of work. Um, you know, for the love of science, and so really sharing the positive stories. Uh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to. I mean, I hope to have thousands of women on, on my site, um, and and over over the next several years. But I hope to, you know, definitely increase um, women that work in this field. And you know, just um, as I meet young girls, you know, um, really, you know, any programs or any any events that I can create or any organizations that I can help support and promote that really give women confidence um, at a young age so that they continue to pursue this field um, is definitely much more in my consciousness now. And, yeah, I'm excited. Um, and sports as well. That's another category that I really want to tap into that's extremely um, underrepresented when it comes to women. So, um, some of the, some of the some of the visioning within the next few years. Well, that's awesome. Uh, let's uh, all right. So, since Susan feels so underrepresented because she's always not first, uh, I'll make her laugh. <laughs> so, make her. We'll close the show with Susan. Come, I think I think you had me go first one time, so that's fine. Okay. I don't feel right. shunned. Okay. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with Claudia because I, I feel that in the next few years, one of my major focuses is really the career thing and, and making sure that either the Cosmo Reader or even through the other things that I do, as I mentioned, New York Women in Communications, just sort of uh, making sure that women know that there is a real opportunity out there in these different fields and that there's so many diverse opportunities, too. I mean, I think that that's part of the one of the problems that, you know, we all kind of grew up not thinking of science 
the careers for ourselves because it seemed like there was like this one track. I think somebody mentioned before, like you wear the lab coat and then you're in there with the beakers. You know, and it's really not all that. There's so many different things you can do. Um, so I think that just, you know, um, bringing out that message more. But then getting back to the cancer thing too, I think continuing to, uh, to help Cosmo in terms of making sure women know don't go to tanning beds. There are other ways to get the golden glow to try to prevent uh, incidences of melanoma. But other cancers too, you know, other cancers that suddenly seem to be afflicting. And again, I don't know if it's just suddenly to me because I'm more aware of it or if they actually are afflicting younger people more often, whatever it is. Just the fact that, you know, young people, we all think we're invincible and it's not going to happen to you or if it does happen to you, it's not going to be until you're 75 years old. Like, that's not the case and you need to be aware of it and you need to take care of your health. Um, I think that would be another goal of, of really tapping into the fact that, that people today are much more empowered and they are uh, kind of more aware of, of what they need to be doing, but to make sure that they know you know, you these know, things can, can, can just knock on your door, on your door and, and you're and never going to be expecting it. So, so to really help really educate, educate them, them would be another one of my goals over the next couple of years. So uh, I won't hold you accountable, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leo, take us out. Um, so I, I think for me personally it's it's twofold. Um, you know, as I've kind of been harping on, I'm clearly a uh, – big junkie in the nutrition realm and very, very big believer in the food that we eat um, really plays a large role in dictating, you know, disease that happens to us, whether it's cancer, whether it's blood, um, diabetes, I mean, is hugely on the rise. Um, You know, and as I look to, you know, get deeper and deeper into the nutrition field, you know, looking at nutrition degrees and all of the schools, and I've checked all of them, you know, require prerequisites in biochemistry and physics, and I'm like, oh, You know, I'm like having a Weitzman moment, like I'm not, you know, but, um, you know, so I think for me, it's a personal challenge, you know, and I'm really passionate about it, but, you know, along, and I didn't realize this in the beginning, but a lot of what goes on with diet and nutrition is all science related. You have to understand how this affects every part of your body. Yeah. Uh, So for me, that's, you know, a personal challenge that I want to, you know, kind of get beyond that. Yes, I can understand biochemistry. I don't have to just kind of hide behind, oh, I'm a communications major. (laughs) You know, I can pivot into that. But then also, I think secondarily, um, you know, taking that knowledge and kind of similarly to what I was saying before is really empowering not just women, but, um, you know, people of all ages and especially children and the diet choices that they're making, um, you know, and really helping them understand the tight, tight knit, um, you know, correlation there is, um, you know, with disease prevalence um, and not only, you know, preventing disease, but also helping to cure once you have disease, because studies have shown that if you change your diet, even while you have diabetes, you can reverse it. Yeah. Um, all because of your diet. So that's something I'm very passionate about. And the more that I can, uh, you know, help coach people one to one and then, you know, one to many, I, I think that, you know, I, I'll be satisfied. So thanks. Well, this has been a great show. In the immortal words of Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. How's that? Mm-hmm. 
which my kids but watch on right. rotation nonstop. My favorite movie. I love <laughs> but you don't get sick of it. It's the best. It really is such a great movie on so many levels. It's almost 20 years. Them. Almost yeah. 20 really? years. That was, Toy Story. That was what it was yeah. funny when uh, whoever got an award at the last Golden Globes and they said, I think some people in this room or whoever presented to them, they said, I think you weren't even born when the first Toy Story came out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to be uh, our guest tonight on the show. Um, I have a plug to make really quickly. If anyone is interested in learning more about the Weitzman Institute, the website is, and the Tomorrow Lab, uh, it is Weitzman, W-E-I-Z-M-A-N-N, Weitzman-USA.org, slash Tomorrow Lab. That's Weitzman-USA.org, slash Tomorrow, dash USA. Last tomorrow, lab. We'll have to work on them on URL strategy, but we love them anyway. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this will not be the last time we interact. I look forward to doing great things with you guys in the future. Thank you. Thanks so Ditto. much, Matt. Thank, Thank you so you, much, Matt. Claudia Chan, Susan Schultz, Blair Cobb. Have a great night. I've That's, learned a lot. Have you learned a lot? I've, I've been sitting here. There's now an ADHD test for you, Kenny. <laughs> yes. For both of us. We can, we, can get, we can get the couple right. And Blair's going to be your nutritional consultant. Yes. <laughs> She's just staring I'm going to make sure that's water and not liquor in there. That's yeah. number one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's um, you would find that interesting, Blair. I have a pet project that I'm doing now um, around food and water and toxicity. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I was, consume as much of it as you can. <laughs> consume as much toxic as you yeah. can. Uh, there, there. I, I did my first lobby day in Washington. Mm. Um, I mean, I've been to DC thousands. I never actually spoke to senators and mm. you know staffers and whatnot about um, this this chemical safety act that's coming up for for, for vote um, that Frank, Frank Lautenberg was championing, but he died, and that was kind of like losing traction. There are something like eighty thousand chemicals used in industry, and only eight hundred are regulated for human safety. And that's like a real fact. That's not Compare like a, that to how many are then used around the world. Right, exactly. It's much smaller. I know. Yeah. So th- things like, you know, um, new car smell is actually benzene. Yeah. Really? Yeah, new car smell is actually carcinogenic. Oh, great. Yeah, and this is like, this is, again, we're talking about science tonight. This is science. Mm-hmm. This is not mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, like, like egg rolls give you cancer. This yeah. is real science. Yeah. So the fact that they won't regulate, like, flame retardants and this in, in couches and raincoats is really what this bill is all about. So I... I Working with a couple of groups like the Environmental Working Group, mm-hmm. uh, Safer Chemicals, Healthy Families, the Breast Cancer Fund, Breast Cancer Action, and um, the uh, National Resource Defense Council, just to get an understanding as to how do you laypersonize a lot of this stuff. You yeah. can't not buy stuff, but you can be smart about it. Yeah. So I'm starting stupidchemicals.org. Really? <laughs> just a flat-out public awareness page that That's directs great. people to these organizations. But to your point, you could eat as well as you want. Farmer's Market could still have... You know, organic means what, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think it's scary, too, when, uh, you know, marketers out there are incredibly, incredibly smart. And just to the degree that they can, you know, sometimes manipulate right. one thing to make it look like something else. And, you know, they, you know, assume people don't know the difference and aren't going to read the label, you know. So, yeah, I think that link to kind of debunking what yeah. does this all really mean and yeah. what does it mean for you without yeah. scaring people half to death, I think, is a right. big thing. I want you back on the show with Fran Drescher. She has a great app called Good – what's it called? It's called um, The Good Guide. Oh, really? It's a UPC barcode scanner for all chemical-based products. Mm-hmm. household cleaners and shampoos and stuff like that. And it gives you like a rating on how good they are 
for your health. Interesting. Based on science. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to meet Fred Drescher. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, this came out of the cancer schmancer thing because she had uterine cancer mm-hmm. uh, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's called The Good Guide. It's a great app. I advocate I it everywhere I go. It. I didn't yeah. know it existed. You could literally, in the store, you scan something, it tells you this, you know, this will kill you. I wish not, we had that not, with uh, yeah. nutrients I, in our food. I know, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I, I'm all on this. I think that's cool. Good that's thing. awesome. Thank you. So thanks for tolerating us. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> Have me back. This is great. Awesome, awesome. All right, folks. Well, that's tonight's show, and here it is, our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show, number 273. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. And a special thank you to our guests from the Wiseman Institute of Science Tomorrow Lab, Blair Cobb, Susan Schultz, and Claudia Chan. All right, Matt, next week's show, Cancer and the Media. Cancer is so prevalent in the everyday news cycle, do we grow immune? How has the media helped to shape cancer narrative, and what role does industry, journalists, and the everyday survivor play in being the voice for change? Join us as we welcome Allison Arden, publisher, Ed Age, and author of the book of Doing, and survivor Adam Baer, writer, humorist, musician, for a conversation around this very issue. Survivor Spotlight, Matt Klein, our friend, director of BizDev at Elite Marketing Group. Yep, a good, uh, good follow-up show next week to tonight's show. If you've missed any of our broadcasts, you can download them all for free on iTunes at iTunes.stupidcancer.org or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.org. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck on behalf of Kenny Kane, Andy Goodman, on vacation, Maureen Sweet and I, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week live at 8 p.m. Good night, folks. Have a good night. We're all veterans of a battle and the bulk of us more in this world too many soldiers are serving multiple tours, so